Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are welcoming you into the merry month of August. Is is August considered merry? I don't know. I don't think so. But nevertheless, I mean, I feel I feel it's a little merry. It feels a little merry. I don't know. I mean, it's still summer. Summer summer doesn't equate to merry. Merry is like, I mean, I, wintry. I mean, for me, well, merry because it's wrapping up. I'm I'm kind of finished with summer. Really. I am. I'm ready for fall. Wendy was actually teasing me last week about this. Like I always, I, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of finished with summer. Uh, why are you looking forward to fall? Because you like the the, the wear sweaters, I, and I like the weather, and I like just just all of it. And and then you know, quite honestly, I'm looking forward to getting back to a, a sense of normalcy. Oh, because we're back on campus, and the kids will be back in school, and so. All right. Well, so, so August is married for me because. It means we're in the final lap. Well, congratulations. Nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, we are here in this month of August bringing you more fantastic black films that we are reviewing. And tonight, Vince has made his selection for the mission as we review Penitentiary. Yes. From 1979. 1979 released in 1980. No, I think it was released. It was actually in released. In, in I know a lot of people didn't see it until eighty, but I guess we. Well, you know why? Because it, it had that limited, yeah, limited run, and then and, it, yeah. you know, because I know I probably didn't see it till nineteen eighty. Oh, of course not. Till it hit the like yeah. you know, the neighborhood, right, right, theaters. But and and even then, I wasn't supposed to see it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> somehow, I mean, I saw it. I think a lot of people saw Penitentiary <laughs> before they were supposed to be. But I, and I, it is I, burned an image I in my head. I would argue that's part of it, but we will get to that. We'll we will definitely get to that. Um, as we are streaming live on Facebook as well yes. as on YouTube, shout out to each and every one of you in the in the chat who is joining us this evening: Deborah Battle, Robert Monroe Jr., Sophia knows miss makiba oh she is turned up early how are you doing there uh as well as aaron fry and 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 everyone out there good evening good evening folks good to good to have you good to see you yes it is hey vincent guess yes, what my friend yes we have listener mail all right missives from the missionaries missives from the miss i like that vincent so- Write that down. I will. All right. I will remember that. Let's go to our emails and start with this is from K-A-R-U-K-E-R-A-M-E-N-T. You spelled that way too fast for me to... So now you just... Look at that. Karukiramit. 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 I like that. The Hello, ca- Lynn and Vince. <laughs> this is Patra M. from Paris. Hey, I, it's Patra! I know that. I just want to drop you a quick note because I watched the Miss Juneteenth episode live on YouTube. Woohoo! Lynn couldn't pronounce the name, but it's okay. Smile. <laughs> I truly enjoyed the episode. I'm a big fan of Nicole Bahari. It's so nice to hear discussions about fiction depicting small-time black ordinary people. That's why I hope the audio drama Bronzeville will come to our screen soon. In this interview, and there's a link to an interview, 
Lorenz Tate confirmed that the TV series adaptation contract was signed. Is there any black TV show with this slice of life format set in the same time period before the 50s that you would recommend? Thank you always for delightful and insightful discussions. Peace, Patra M. Oh, well, thank you, Patra, who who I actually see is in the chat already under the Carol Caramint podcast. Okay, all right. So, um, so what do you think, Lynn? Any any black television shows set during the 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 forties or fifties that you would recommend that you know of? Any black TV show? I don't know if there are any black TV shows yeah, set during that yeah. time. Um, except, I mean, well, it's no longer with us. Lovecraft Country was set in the like fifties. We have that beautiful one season of Lovecraft Country. This wasn't a black series. And it doesn't get black until its final season, but the man in the high castle on Amazon. I never watched that. So is that finished? It's finished. It's finished. I okay. think it was three seasons. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Four, but three seasons. And they really don't get into like the the plight of black people, right, in America until the very final season. Would you recommend that show? I would. It's a slow burn. Okay. For those who don't know, the the men in the man in the high castle based on I believe it's a just a short story by Philip Dick. Philip K. Yeah, Dicks, Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. Um just proposes what if the Germans and the Japan had won right. World War Two. Uh and then drama ensues from there. Um, but it is definitely science fiction. Mm-hmm. So knowing knowing that going in. It's a slow burn. It's beautiful to watch mm-hmm. it is a gorgeous show uh and it does mess with you because there are people who are enemies who who are villains mm-hmm. but you kind of find yourself rooting for it's it's the best type of character development you know but i don't know it i don't know if it's uh for some people it's a hard leap especially if because it is a slower burn sure but i enjoyed it okay i didn't enjoy all it. right I can't think of any others. I can't think of any shows set in that time. Can you? I, I have three. Okay. And and I'll start with, with the science fiction angle. There There's a British show that had two seasons called Time Wasters. Okay. About three black people who travel through time, modern times. And first they travel to the 1920s. Mm. And then they travel to the 19... 19- 50s i believe time wasters was it a comedy it, it's a comedy it's so, british so so, so, so like they that. travel so so they travel to 1920s and 1950s london okay and it is hilarious is it old it came out like two or three years ago okay i'm about to say it couldn't be that old yeah it came out a couple of years ago um i think it, it ended up on one of these these stations here like IMDb television or like okay. it was on some and it got a little bit of press because it came out over here. Okay. Time wasters. Time wasters. And I like that a lot. All right. I I'm going to I'm, I'm have to look that up. Right. That sounds interesting. The other thing, there was a very short lived series mm-hmm. that spun out of the women of Brewster place, hmm. which was a television film based on Gloria Naylor's novel, The right. Women of Brewster Place, and it was called Brewster Place. Yeah, I remember that series. And a lot of the, the actresses from The Women of Brewster Place came back, and I liked that a lot, too. But was that black? 
It was 100% black. Was it? It was 100% black. Okay, I don't Yeah. Okay. I remember the show. I just can't remember the images. Yeah. All right. So who was, who was like, who, wasn't there a name? Oh, my goodness. Paula, Paula Kelly was in it. Lynette McKee was in it. Okay. Um, All right. All right. I know Robin Givens was in the, the, the movie, the television movie. I think she may have been in the series for a second. Okay. All right. Uh, Jack A. Oh. Was in it. Like and it was neat. Like I said, one season in and out, but that that that's floating around. Okay, all right. And I didn't know that that was the time that it was set. All right, cool. And then this isn't out yet, but I am keeping my eye on this Wonder Years reboot, which might be the '60s. I might be. Past yeah, but the th- that's the '60s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I've seen the the trailer for that, but that's right. going to be set in the '60s. Right. Whereas the original Wonder Years was set in the late. 50s no no no, no it was late, late 60s. 60s yeah it was set yeah. in the 60s as well yeah. right 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 so. right right okay all right well that's uh that's good right, that's a good start i i i would wouldn't have come up with any of them yeah, so there you go dope. well there you go patra and patra let us know in the chat that she is taking notes yes thank you patra thank you for the email appreciate that we also got an email vince from our good friend maurice poplar what's up maurice yo mission leaders Hey, Vincent and Len, been loving the show, been too hustling to even email. Regarding Annie. Okay. You all talked about the 80s Annie movie and the stage play, but no one mentioned Oliver Twist. Charles Dickens. Mm. It's just very interesting how that story figures into the quote-unquote ragged dick mythology of Mm -hmm. America, blah, blah, blah. Oliver, with an exclamation point, has some tunes, though. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. And repping for Juneteenth, Miss Juneteenth was a great flick. Thank you, Black Star Film Fest, for supporting the filmmakers. It's now part of my white people homework when they start asking uninformed questions. Go watch (laughs) Miss Juneteenth. Yes. That's a good one. Uh, It's funny how America has different trends. The West Coast has so many black people of Texan descent. I grew up going to Juneteenth celebrations. I found myself in Taipei, Taiwan many years ago in late May and stumbled upon five other black Americans. It was uh, moved and second that we have a Juneteenth celebration right then and there. Because when six or more are gathered in his name, well, you know the routine. (laughs) Keep doing what you do, Mo Pop. All right. right. Yeah, Oliver, did you... Well, you don't really do musicals. No, but I know Oliver from my watching it in my youth right right so i remember oliver and you know um you like it you're a fan you, you any any i don't know like the, i said I know, I know you don't do music i couldn't so. watch it again but the the songs because i saw them as a youngster right are burned in my memory yeah you know like what's this you know oh can I, uh, food glory yes it food glory you got to pick a pocket or two yeah you know because i'm a fagin artful dodger dude yeah, yeah, but I so th- that's really my my thing with Oliver. I think I may have seen, I probably saw like the animated. I think Disney did uh, uh, Oliver with I the cats. That, that's it, it's Oliver and Company. Yes, the Disney adaptation <laughs> that had cats. It's, if I could find a way to channel <laughs> this nonsense. <laughs> it's. It's just sad that I knew immediately what you were talking about. <laughs> I guess that's why we do a podcast together. <laughs> that's just 
That's just terrible. Oh, well, clearly you mean Oliver and Company. <laughs> One of the Disney cartoons that failed miserably. But I remember it very fondly. <laughs> See, we need to go on a $20,000 pyramid. <laughs> no one's going to ask anything that I know. Cats. Oliver and Company. That would be Oliver and Company. <laughs> We have a group chat that goes on through the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, between myself and Vince and uh, Toya Haynes, our social media director. Yes. Shout out to Toya. Shout out to Toya. And she hit us up about a post on social media that she noticed today. And it got us all of a sudden our, our text chain was popping. <laughs> It, it, quite to my surprise, because I was busy on a. On I was a, about to say I was trying to watch Penitentiary. I was on a Zoom call, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I, my, I was just dinging left and right, right over right. over on the side. And the question was that she posed to us, and that was posed on the on social media was, "What celebrity do you think is good?" At spades. Yes, the card game spades. The card game spades. Now, to be fair and to uh, give props where props are due, this was started by Donovan X, who asked on um, Instagram, I believe, to name a celebrity who you think is good at spades. And then it was picked up by Kev on stage on Instagram, and then it found its way over into our hearts. Mm -hmm. And... Somebody repped by saying that the actor Keith David, <laughs> Keith David ain't went bored since 98, which, which is a, a spades term. Now, first of all, oh my God. First of yes, all, yes, Lynn, that's a spade. <laughs> I believe that refers to one of the rules of the card game spades. That's a spades term. In the unofficial spades handbook. <laughs> right. Going boy, I, I don't even know what going I, I, You know, I love this line of conversation because you're the sports guy and this is the one sort of sporting sort of thing that I know about and you don't. I know very little yes. about spades. So bored. Right is the lowest amount that you can bid. Right. Okay. Which is four books. A four is the lowest? Four. Okay. You can't go lower than four. Okay. All right. Which is which is saying that you believe that, that you based can, on your hand, you can win four. Or or not. Oh, oh, oh. You have to bid four. Often sometimes you don't have four. Oh sometimes you don't have four. Right. But I but but what you're bidding is how many hands you think you can win. Right, right. And board is the lowest you can go. Okay. Which is four books. So why can't you just why can't you just be honest and say that you can't win any? Well, because a lot of it is is taking out the, the it, other or team. Or you never know how the cards are gonna play. Like like it's a it's a lot that goes into it. And oftentimes when you say we're going board, mm -hmm. the other people the the other team doesn't know how to play their hand. Mm. Or you have an overly cautious partner who didn't count a book <laughs> or two. You know what? You got for a quick second. Mm -hmm. 
There was some bass in your voice right well, there. Well, <laughs> well, you know, can I, can I just show you what's actually happening? You know what's actually happening? You ain't have to call me out, but quietly, you're sitting directly across from me, which is which would mean like you were my partner, and you saying that just now, like I reverted to. Oh, oh, this n word doesn't know how to play. Except I didn't think inward, <laughs> so I was trying to get you ready because in about thirty seconds, somebody's gonna ask you to cut, and then they're gonna start dealing cards, and now we're in it. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. I was like. <laughs> Dispense with this question. <laughs> it's about to jump the tank. We're just talking about the game. We just, we just, we're just talking about the game. Just, look, look, it's, it, it's serious business. Oh God, mm. the Wikipedia definition of spades. Why are you looking up Wikipedia? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Because I was curious. One, I was curious whether or not it would be there. And I, and I wanted to know whether or not you you think this is an apt description of the oh game. Okay, God. go ahead. Spades yes. is a trick taking card. See right there, somebody white wrote it. Because white people call them tricks, black people call them books. I didn't think white people even played spades. No, I did. I knew that because I've heard them use that term. Okay. <laughs> Spades is a trick-taking card game devised in the United States in the 1930s. Okay. It can be played as either a partnership or solo cutthroat game. Okay. The object is to take the number of tricks, also known as books, mm -hmm. that were bid before play of hand began. Spades is a descendant of the Whist family yes. of card games, yes. which also includes Bridge, Hearts, and Oh Hell. Its major difference as compared to other Whist variants is that instead of Trump being decided by the highest bidder That's or right. at random. That's right. The spade suit always trumps. That's right. Hence the name. Which is why I was going to dispute that Keith David thing quietly. Oh, really? I think Keith David is too old. Keith David plays bid whist. Okay. Yeah. Well, nah, Keith David is a whist player because he's an old Negro. He's, I mean, how old is Keith David? Keith David is, is what, like 70? Yeah, he's probably about 70. Yeah, old black people don't really mess with spades. Well, why do you think that? Because they play bit whist. Well, they said it was devised in the 30s. Yeah, I know that, but they, like, they, because it's boring to them. Like, we kind of talked about it oh, earlier. Oh, that's right. You're right. Right, because right. You said like, bit whist is like, right. it's like, like, when it, like grad school. Right. Like, or like, you know, I called out my mother in law who plays Pinochle. Right. Like, right. Like, you know, she just is disrespectful when she plays spades. Like, she's. You know, making macaroni and cheese and balancing her checkbook because this only takes a fraction of my brain power. Okay, to, so I think it is a it's it's a pocket generational lead mm. of spades player because as you get older, they start playing bid whist, and as it says, bid whist is a whole different deal because then you get to call trumps and 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 then you get in the p knuckle, and I know it's something called a kitty involved and. And it's like Spock playing 3D chess with three-dimensional. And it's like them four boards. Remember, <laughs> remember how they show Spock playing chess? Yes. And he's yes. like, I'm not really sure even how this works. That's how I feel when I see old black people playing like Pinochle 
and sometimes playing Bit Wiss. Okay. Um, Farrell Blackwell says that he was about to say Keith David. The dude is way too good at balancing a cigarette on the tip of his lip. Miss <laughs> <laughs> McKeeva says that Delroy Lindo spanks all the butts and spades. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, Delroy Lindo, he might, I mean, he's, I think he's younger. Right, than, right, right. Maybe not that much younger right. than uh, Keith David. Right. Um, Deborah Battle says Jennifer Lewis. Yeah. See, she looks like a pinochle player to me. The problem with Jennifer Jennifer Lewis probably plays everything. Yeah. Jennifer Lewis does everything well. Right. Well, and also she's very kind of social. And, and, you know, because it's it's like there's the shit talking involved. Mm -hmm. So Jennifer Lewis plays spades and, and like, spanks you and then talks crazy to you. All right. Um, George Kimona is is showing love for Bernie Mac. Says that Bernie Mac would have been his pick. Yeah. Uh, Miss McKeeva is also th- showing love to Clifton Powell in and out of character as Pinky. Um, yeah, C- Clifton Powell's a good. That's a good choice. That's a good choice too. Bree Bree five seventeen. What's up? Samuel L. Jackson will win his books no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I see that. And uh, Janine says that Don Cheadle, she she believes that Don Cheadle plays spades. Don Cheadle probably plays spades. He looks like a spades player. Yeah. From my house, my house is saying Denzel Washington, Makai Pfeiffer. Makai Pfeiffer probably can play some spades. Makai Pfeiffer. Makai Pfeiffer yes. probably can play. Yeah, Gabrielle Union, Gabrielle Union probably can play spades. Yeah, I can see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see her on a low, like whipping some ass. Right. And the whole cast of A Different World. Not the whole cast. Who do you think in on who who do you think's gonna renege on a on a different world? Renege is another term from Spades. I do know that. I've okay. seen that. I've right. watched Spades games. You you it's like not National Geographic. No. No, no, I wasn't I wasn't like from the underbrush. The migration of the African hippo. I think they bid ten. And after the commercial, African Americans engaging in spades. <laughs> You know what? You saw a documentary about spades. No, but that's going that's going to be a that's going to be a sketch <laughs> right. uh-huh. on on um on a, on a show. Who, who do you think? On a, who are you about to disrespect on a different world? Say they come play spades. I have a funny feeling that I have a funny feeling that uh, Freddie. How are you going to disrespect Chris Summer? I don't just. The, see, for some reason, I don't think Cree Summer plays spades. I don't see her playing spades. I, I would happily mm-hmm. admit that I'm wrong if I am wrong. I just don't see her playing spades. Here's how Cree Summer... See, I see Dawn Lewis playing spades. Mm-hmm. Here's how Cree Summer is going to kill you, though. Because she probably learned it later. Okay. But then she jumped right in. Maybe. With full gusto. You think so? So that by the third or fourth season, mm-hmm. like she came the second season, by the end of the third season, she was deadly. You think Lisa Bonet plays the space? That's a good question. Cause Lisa I don't Bo- see I don't see her and playing space. She just strikes me as she don't care. Like yeah. n- like unless she if she didn't come liking it, I don't think she would she care didn't enough. pick it up. No. Because she no. don't care. No. Like no. I'm I'm just doing Lisa Bonet stuff. No. And and I I'll tell you another I'll tell you another Another cast member of a different world who you think didn't play space. Didn't play space. Who knew this is where we were going? Marissa Tomei. (laughs) (laughs) She would have been up for it, though, if someone would teach her. Because, see, that's the other thing that I feel sorry for people who don't play spades. 
no one actually teach like like they it's like that very small well, window is that window where you can where learn you it. gotta learn yeah and like, if you don't learn it you can't like we we saw it in real time when you said I had the bass in my voice yes and just, and because I was you know again this n word don't know how to play but I didn't think n word mm-hmm. and then the next thing was somebody get him off my table right exactly um. <laughs> and Patra actually even said Marissa Tomei was in different world would, would she know how to play space? No, she wouldn't <laughs> However, Miss McKeever says that Chris Summer is going to whoop you in space while doing voices mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true um, And Janine says that all of Wu-Tang Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely all Well, of you know what, someone was mentioning I, I asked a couple of people this question and um, Summer, Summer Willow Mm-hmm she said that she thought that there's tons of hip hop crews playing well, space. I, I was thinking, I was thinking of, I was thinking the Roots probably know how to play. Mm-hmm. Like I think any group mm-hmm. that traveled together probably would would learn that, so. right? Because you you just need in, well, for, not for, tribe. I bet tribe played space. Yeah, I think they got along. I think I think no, when no, I no. think I mean Earl when they were still you know boys. Okay. I mean they were boys at some point. Yeah, but they but they were all into different things. I think that's it. That's it. It's nothing against them. But when they were boys, native tongues dudes. Okay, maybe the, so. Maybe with the Jungle right, Brothers, right. everybody and, like yeah, there was okay, a native tongue okay, Spain okay. and De La game, and there was a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Like like you know, Chi Ali wouldn't partner up with Dress from Black Sheep. Cause he always lose count of the card. Like he always forget what got played. <laughs> um, like why would you throw that king out? We haven't seen the ace. Very. T- yeah, y'all get y'all get really temperamental about that. I, I mean, because what that tells me is that apparently that's like that's the only club you have. So when I get control, I'm a lead with clubs because clearly you must be cutting club. Because you threw out that king and the ace hadn't been played. So now I'm thinking if you have a sense that God gave a billy goat. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Here you we must go. not have any more clubs. So now I'm going to lead with this eight of clubs so that you can cut. And if you throw out a six of clubs, see, I don't know what, you, what you're doing over there. Yes, George Carmona. Vince is having flashbacks. <laughs> um, uh, Mayoria Holmes of Black Star film festival i asked her yes she said she can't verify this but she says she thinks that jill scott probably oh jill scott oh jill scott can absolutely play spades yeah i can see there's no question in my mind i can see that most definitely um and you better not sit down across from her unless you know how to play well get your feelings hurt oh yeah in stereo (laughs) um farrell blackwell says that Jodeci would constantly beat boys to men in spades. I see. I don't see that. I don't know if that's I don't see that. true at all. I don't see that at I all. I don't know if that's true at all. <laughs> boys to men. Boys to men is low-key gully. I was, about like, to, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure out a way to say it nicely. <laughs> boys to men is low-key gully. Don't bro. let them overalls and bow ties fool you. Mm, bruh. No, bruh. No, bruh. I'm telling you. Also, you know what? Jodeci get to drinking when they play, and they and they off. lose and they lose track. Yes, the, the two brothers be fighting with each other, or or want to fight. Yeah, like we just playing. Like why are we fighting? Yeah, yeah. And, and Jodeci, <laughs> don't let the thuggishness fool I'm you. Look, man. They could not take boys look, to men. Look. <laughs> 
they could not take poison. And all the cheesesteaks you could eat. <laughs> Which always confused me as a line. I was like, how many cheesesteaks are you eating? Like, could you have an all-you-can-eat cheesesteak place? Don't tempt them. I've seen somebody sit and eat two cheesesteaks back-to-back. That is crazy. Yes, I was fearful for his life. I almost want to film people that eat cheesesteaks and fries. You know what? I stopped ordering fries with cheesesteaks because it was, it's a waste. Like, people who eat cheesesteaks and fries, I feel like they should be in, like, a 17th century freak show yeah. on the outskirts of London. Like, cheesesteaks does Come not... see the freak! Cheesesteaks do not need a side dish. Right. Not at all. Not at no chips. No fries, maybe a pickle. He would say all the cheesesteaks you can eat. I was like, how many? I mean, don't you just eat one? Well, and then you're just kind of like you've had a cheesesteak. Well, it's a trick question. He knows you can only eat one. He only get, he only come in with ten dollars. He talking to people who ain't from Philly <laughs> or don't really know about cheesesteak <laughs> and all the cheesesteaks you could eat. Right. right. Why? Yeah, yeah. So they think they're going to Wawa. <laughs> <laughs> and getting a cheesesteak shorty. Right. Like, he taking on the max. Right. Oh my God. Where 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 you get punked? <laughs> where you get punked? I tried to stand up for myself one time at Max's. Really? Yeah, you want a whole one or you want a half? I was like, I want a whole I'm a man. Of course I want a whole one. And he just put that hunk of heart attack in front of me. <laughs> yeah, and I had to walk out with my dignity holding <laughs> holding an arm full of cheesesteak. <laughs> Holding a man. <laughs> now every time you want whole of you half. I'd like half. <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> that line has always bothered me, as you can tell. And all the cheese sticks you can eat. What are you talking about? Going down the, the rabbit hole a little bit, staying on this, this space thing. So we're going to climb out of the cheese steak rabbit yes. hole. Uh, Deborah Battle says that the cast of Living Single. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's probably a good spades game. I can see that. Are there eight of them? Like, could you have two games at once? Oh, so, right. So you got a game and then you got two people on the side talking crazy. Yeah. Talking about I got next. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's a good, that's probably a good game. And Janine says that Mary J. Blige. Oh, of course Mary J. Blige can play. Of course Mary J. Blige can play. Okay. Yeah. She says so. Mary J. Blige can do everything black. I just assume Mary, like Mary J. Blige can cornrow your hair. She can do graffiti. <laughs> she can do everything. She can black. Just, just everything black. Capoeira. Like <laughs> But uh, uh I wanted to ask you of our of our celebrity friends, do you yes. think that Dorian plays Spades? Dorian Missick. I'm sure he does. You think Simone plays? Absolutely. Omar plays? Absolutely. Now, who's Dorian's partner? See, that's a good question. Because spouses are funny. I know. For the record, me and Wendy play together. So that's your go-to part. That is my... Like, there's no best friend who is there in Mm -mm. the room Mm -mm. supersedes Mm -mm. Wendy. Not in spades. Okay. Yeah, not in spades. But I... It, it's that's real tricky yeah that's real that's real case by case yeah yeah like because i know my boy eric his space partner is his wife jazz right but he will play with his best friend keith right 
But I think he I think he prefers jazz. I, cause yeah. I think they've gotten they've grown into a rhythm. Right, right. Yeah, it's tricky. So do you have another partner besides I have a couple of partners. I have a couple of partners. My 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 traditional partner was my boy Dre. Okay. Who was is like actually an economist and a mathematical genius. Oh, wow. I was never that good. Like I could keep track of cards, mm-hmm. but I wasn't as good as like the the great players are. Gotcha. Like like you know, I like I would know when an ace like I would know when the face cards are played. Like I keep track of the face cards. Mm-hmm. But like people who can tell you that right. the seven of clubs got played yeah. four hands ago. Yeah. I was never that guy. Okay. okay. He was he's good like he's, that's him. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay. All right. And then my my nephew has grown into quite the player over the years. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah Michael. Michael is quite the player. But none of them supersede Wendy. Mm-mm. Not Wendy. if I had to pick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or say on this recorded air. Right <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. <laughs> um, she doesn't play Monopoly with me. She doesn't play Monopoly. She, Wendy, Wendy won't play Monopoly. With me. You, you, are you always the banker? I, well, I just, I, I just like to win. Well, that's the reason of why. Yeah, apparently, I really like to win. Oh, like it gets a little cutthroat. How you get cutthroat on Monopoly? Oh, side deals. Oh yeah, that's true. All right. Y'all want to play some spades, though. <laughs> but not with you. I'll be over here playing Nux. <laughs> I remember my cousin tried to teach me how to play spades. And I was trying to get it, but I just couldn't, couldn't get it. And he's, he just said, let's just play Nux. <laughs> and he, he messed my knuckles up. God, he messed my knuckles up. Anyway, let's let's keep it moving. All right, it's time for us to get into it. <laughs> going here. Um, before we get into our review, ladies and gentlemen, I want to invite you, if you're in the Philadelphia area, or even if not, because it's virtual as well, to check out. It kicks off tomorrow, August 4th, the Black Star Film Festival. August yes. 4th through the 8th. Five days of virtual and in-person events, including screenings of 80 films by filmmakers from all around the world go to blackstarfest.org for more information check that out all right we are going to get into all right our review of penitentiary penitentiary we'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it Who the hell put you in my cell? You just fall. Been in the county jail six months. You box? Not really. Why? Boxing tournament coming up. Big fun. You box? Hell no. Half dead don't box. I kill. Look here, Jess. I'm telling you, I can take this sissy by myself, man. I can feel it, Jess. Ain't no Bronx I can't bust, just I don't know. Bitch, if there's just something about this dude that tells me you're gonna push him. But you watch in the morning. Your brother's gonna ask for the salt and pepper. His voice gonna be up five octaves. Get in your cells, it's cow time. I said move him. You know, the day officer told me you gave him a little trouble already today. 
Watch your step, boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna bust you. Bust you. Man, man, boy, that day to real learn how to play. You got yours? This chump dies tonight. set this whole thing up. And then like the coward you are, you stood back and let your crazy fools do your dirty work. Seldom, you call the lieutenant and you tell him if he wants rumble, we'll give him rumble. Any more fight outside of that damn ring and I'm gonna forget I'm a gentleman. <laughs> Hold it, hold it. Take five. Got a couple of things to say. The winner of each event will get to spend one night in a trailer, in a yard, with a woman. If you don't have a woman, we'll supply one for you. Penitentiary, a 1979 American black exploitation drama written, produced, and directed by Jamal Fanaka and starring Leon Isaac Kennedy. Too Sweet Gordon is arrested and sent to prison, where he joins the prison's boxing team to secure an early parole and to establish his dominance over the prison's mm. toughest gang. This film was Vince's selection for tonight's stop on the show, Mister Vince. What say you of Penitentiary? I have been thinking about Penitentiary. Because a few weeks ago, I finished this this amazing book, L.A. Rebellion, Creating a New Black Cinema, edited by Allison Nadia Field, Jan Christopher Horak, and Jacqueline Najuma Stewart, mm -hmm. which is about the L.A. Rebellion. It's, it's a series. It's a book of essays oh, written, okay. written about the L.A. Rebellion, which were the group of black filmmakers mm -hmm. that came out of the UCLA film school. Right. In the late sixties and and all the way up into the eighties. Like, yeah. like when you when you hear people talk about the LA Rebellion. I highly recommend this book, by the way. And y'all know how I feel about free advertising. So if I'm freely advertising it, I, I believe in it. It's you know, if you're interested in films and and film history and it, it's it's a, a really, really good book. Mm-hmm. And the term L.A. Rebellion is one that is kind of it's 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 a soft term. It's not really a, like it's not it's a it's a hard term. Like like if you find someone who says we call this group of filmmakers the L.A. Rebellion, mm -hmm. you can find someone else who resists that that title. Okay, like okay. we don't really like like it's they not, don't like the, the they don't really like being grouped like that because this group of of filmmakers. Besides being black and besides coming through the UCLA film school, mm -hmm. a lot of them don't have. A, I mean, they're different filmmakers. Yeah, because you got like uh, Julie Dash, Charles Burnett, Char Julie Dash, Charles Burnett, um, Holly Garima. Mm -hmm. And and just just I mean, just with those three, like, like Holly Garima made made Sankofa, mm -hmm. which is this beautiful, but, you know, very challenging kind of 
past you know film about slavery and 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 uh, you know and 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 dealing with that and 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 charles burnett who we've talked about with to sleep with anger Mm -hmm. which is a slice of life with a hint of the supernatural set in modern day los angeles right and then of course julie dash makes doors Doors of of the the dust dust about turn of the century geechee islands these people leaving the islands to the mainland coming to the mainland and then there's jamal fanaka who even within this group of filmmakers, he's a bit of an outlier. Right. Because regardless of how different those three filmmakers are that we just name checked, Charles Burnett, Charles Barnett, um, Holly Garima, Julie Dash, and they are really the names that that you hear. Mm-hmm. All of them make really serious work like these like these are some heavy movies that they made right and the thing about jamal fanaka who we've spoken about previously with uh 1975's welcome home brother charles Mm. he has a bit of a populist slant to the movies that he makes and by populist i mean this as much as i adore daughters of the dust one of my favorite films of all time and and certainly we, we've talked about To Sleep With Anger twice mm-hmm. on this show. We love it so much because we had a showing of, of To Sleep With Anger, or hosted a showing, rather, in Bryn Mawr. Again, these are heavy, heavy movies. Like, these are not movies that you just, just to reference our conversation about Welcome Home, Brother Charles, like, these aren't grindhouse films that you would get at a video store right. and come home and watch on Friday night. Jamal Fanaka made these movies and there's there was always a bit of debate about him as this representative of the LA rebellion because he did make this populist material mm-hmm. although all of them agreed that they wanted to change the image of blackness in film they wanted to bring this new black cinema to the people right arguably Jamal Fanaka is the one who's actually connecting with the people bringing it to the most people be because penitentiary i believe is the most financial successful film out of the la rebellion you know i think it cost six hundred thousand dollars to make is his third student film he, mm-hmm. he you know he had three student films we, we talked about welcome home brother charles there's emma may and then there's penitentiary the other reason that penitentiary is always on my mind is it to me this is the last black exploitation film. Like this is the end right here between this and the last dragon. Like the say, last, you made that argument. I was about to say the dragon. last dragon penitentiary are my two. This is the end of an era. Mm. Like this is it right here. Like we said, it came out in 79, but a lot of people didn't see it until 1980 mm-hmm. because of limited distribution and that tension between it coming out of the LA Rebellion and, and Jamal Fanaka, and if I haven't said it, let's just say it, this is a smart dude. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a smart guy. This isn't somebody just throwing something together. And again, this is his third student film at the UCLA Film School. And, and as much as he may not, his work arguably doesn't reflect these heady themes. There's stuff in here, yeah. They, but they at the same time, yeah. it has this grindhouse appeal Definitely. to it. Definitely. 
So penitentiary, just the plot, as you said, Leon Isaac Kennedy plays a drifter, Mm -hmm. basically, who through a series of circumstances finds himself in prison. Mm -hmm. And while in prison, he kind of navigates this prison system, ends up becoming a boxer. Right. And then that's kind of the plot of the film. But the film very pointedly addresses this this notion of ownership of black bodies like this this kind of notion of ownership of bodies there there act there's actually this exchange between two sweet and another um inmate inmate eugene where the, he says eugene says i'm the property of this inmate you know there there's you know we'll talk about the sexual assault where he says i'm his property and and too sweet says is that what you think you are is property mm-hmm. and this is a theme that very much runs through this film about property and who owns people and even the the plot point of too sweet securing his parole mm-hmm. that's not all of it he's not really securing parole what he is is that the lieutenant of the prison his brother-in-law is a fight promoter and the terms are the 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 cousin the, the brother-in-law comes to the prison looking for fighters mm-hmm. and then when he sees a fighter he likes he takes the fighter and and then the fighter has a word from so even that yeah there is this exchange of bodies there's this whole detail about uh linda the prostitute mm-hmm. and how she's also tied up in there so there's that going on just as a theme and then it's just again it's just this kind of this it, it, it's, it's I, I use the term grindhouse but it is there's there's this there's this seaminess to it yeah you, you know there's this there but there is this energy so that you understand how people connected to penitentiary mm-hmm. so that between the themes that were very deliberately put there. Like when you read interviews with Jamal Fanaka and you, you people who, who very much support this film, he did it deliberately. Which sidebar, I have to say, I was listening to our episode about Welcome Home, Brother Charles, where mm-hmm. we had a version of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And we were right, like we're right in sync with what other critics were saying about Welcome Home, Brother Charles. So that by the end, this combination of this this kind of dirty energy like this kind of you know it's like pulpy energy that you got with with the best of the black exploitation films mm-hmm. with this very deliberate exploration of themes kind of put in there like it's it is there's really a case of a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down gotcha i really like i hesitate to use the verb admire but I think I like I really admire like I admire what Jamal Fanaka was doing with this film. Mm-hmm. And as you said, for many of us, when we watched Penitentiary initially, you felt like you were doing something wrong. Like you felt like you were watching this outlaw media. But all those messages are there for when you circle around. And maybe it's it, you know, it seeped into your brain mm-hmm. while you were looking at it, thinking that you were doing something kind of naughty if you will <laughs> i watched this show film uh yesterday and it definitely took me back to seeing it in the walton theater in mm-hmm. philadelphia 
when I wasn't supposed to. And there were certain scenes there. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I was 13 again. Um, but anyway, you know what? I found myself as as I watched this, I went into this expecting, honestly, to be like just, oh, man, I'm just going to have a fun just clown in this movie mm-hmm. when I watch it again. Because uh, I hadn't seen it since probably then. Sure. But even then, I was like, you know, it's, let's face it. It's a low-budget film. Its budget is on the screen. The lowness of its budget is on the screen. Jamal Fanaka is a director who has a skill, definitely has a skill about him, and it shows. There's the bare bones of a story. He just really wants to get into the prison and really pick apart that world. Mm-hmm. He really just wants to take his camera inside the prisons and show you how these black men, how they are surviving this situation um, from all all points where you have it's now stereotypical but in 1979 it's not necessarily as stereotypical to have the you know the uh, flamboyantly gay people to have the guy who get gets uh, turned out in in prison right to have the show the gangs in prison and even show the the gang of black men and show the hierarchy in amongst that gang mm-hmm. where are, there are definitely some guys who are just there to be there just for camaraderie. And then there is a, a leader and then there's one who's just out of his mind, crazy half dead is his name. Um, so Jamal just really wants to get in there and as I watched it again this time, I really appreciate it. Even though they are bare bones, I appreciated the different, the different personalities that each inmate was allowed to show, mm-hmm. especially in amongst that gang. There's like a gang of about four or five guys who they each have their own lane. One is just a straight dodo like a a, a a nut but even then he is just he realizes his place in the hierarchy and he's like hey whatever you say boss what I, whatever mm-hmm. i do and then there's another one who kind of questioned things he kind of like questioning his place there but he's there and he knows this gives him some level of security right within the prison so he's gonna he's gonna watch his watch his spot so i dug that because especially like you said for this to be a grindhouse film, those characters don't have to be as well defined as they are. Right. You, no one's expecting that. Everyone's pretty much a grindhouse movie. Everybody's pretty much expecting low budget, maybe some horror, maybe some TNA, and some crazy knuckle knuckle up action. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going into a grindhouse movie for, and that's and that is exactly what this movie is, and it gives you outside of the horror, it gives you all of that mm-hmm. and more in this film, right? But it, but because Jamal Fanaka, as you said, is a smart guy, is, a, is, a, and is an educated man, and because of the people with whom and the circle within in which he travels, he definitely wants to put, you know, small touches of themes right. in, this, in this story. 
you know, you talked about the the conversation between Too Sweet and Eugene about the property, and that's a great scene. I love the story, the 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 monologue between Too Sweet, and it's not really Too Sweet between anyone. Is the monologue that Too Sweet's trainer, seldom seen, mm-hmm. gives him about why the idea of this boxing tournament and the the winner gets a conjugal visit and possibly early, early parole. Why that doesn't mean so much to him because he is someone who has lived 85% of his life yeah. behind bars. Yeah, he's actually institutionalized. He recognizes that he is mm-hmm. institutionalized. He recognizes that this is the place for him and to have someone and usually when you see when you have seen that play out in the films it usually plays out after the person gets out mm-hmm. but to see someone say that forthrightly in the it uh in the movie i thought was very interesting and 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 i i appreciated that and there's this well done moment in this film to just give voice to that because that's real mm-hmm. that's real talk right so I like that. And I found myself because I'm not a Leon Isaac Kennedy fan. <laughs> and, I think it's I think it's it's probably worth noting out. This is the first moment we've mentioned him. Right. Yeah. So And there's a reason <laughs> that for that. That tells you everything you need to know. Right. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Leon Isaac Kennedy is not I mean, he's a handsome man. Give him his props. Yeah, yeah. That's his props. Yeah. He's not, there's not any real true charisma off of him. There's no real acting skills that are shown off of him. But what I will say is that I think Jamal Fanaka knows that. Yeah. And puts him in the perfect position Mm -hmm. to just be our window into this world. He is surrounded to an actor. Yes by performances and actors mm-hmm. that carry the scene. Yes. Whether it's seldom seen, whether it is um, Half Dead, who who is played by by a character act. This is our second time seeing um, Baja Jola. Yeah. Baja Jola. We, last time we talked about him was in um, Rage in Harlem. Rage in Harlem. We talked about him in a Rage in Harlem where That's he had right. a much fuller role. But I mean, even um, Hazel Spears, mm-hmm. who plays Linda, the couple of scenes that he that they're in, like everyone really treats Leon Isaac Kennedy almost as a placeholder. Right. Right. And that's exactly what he is mm-hmm. in this film. And watching this again, I appreciated him for that mm-hmm. because he holds the place well. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So... God bless him. Yeah. And and because of that, I came away watching this film now said, huh. This wasn't bad. Yeah. It's it's not I mean, it's not great. I mean, let's get but for what it tries to be, it succeeds. Yeah. It's oh. a grindhouse film that touches on some a different has little little bits of commentary in there. Mm-hmm. Um and it gets it over well. I'm like, oh, okay. I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed because it would have been so stereotypical and so easy for the warden 
mm-hmm. the the big lieutenant warden in the in the film for him to be this over the top villain right in this movie and don't get me wrong he's still the white guy that's in charge of the prison right but you never see you, he doesn't come or at least they don't pre- portray him as being like overly oppressive or anything of that man look again i think i love how matter of fact in sort of banal the evil is like like he he tells him you are going to get paroled Mm -hmm. so that my brother-in-law can get you and you fight for him and you make sure you make him a lot of money so that I can keep him away from my wife in my house. Right, right. right. So this isn't a matter of I'm keeping my word because I'm a man of my word. This is, you are a piece of property mm-hmm. that has now, you know, I'm moving you to the, and it just ha- so happens, the person that you're getting with, you're in a better position than you were with me. Right, right. I think this film has gotten a, a fair amount of criticism for being homophobic let's say like and and i and i did the same thing like like i read about and i went to and i actually thought it was fairly sophisticated the way they dealt with prison rape Mm. they acknowledge it Mm -hmm. but there's never a moment where the prison rape isn't treated as an act of violence that's true and an act of 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 trying to dominate Mm -hmm. one another there's a little moment where where half dead tries to 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 rape too sweet and mm-hmm. and this is the big moment where where the gang is saying you know you're going to break them right and too sweet fights him off but then too sweet dominates him because then he goes and eats his candy bars right so that again this isn't about sex this mm-hmm. is this is about domination mm-hmm. eugene who's the character that we've seen who has been raped yeah. And now he's um property. He's property. But I love the fact that the film does not portray him as someone who is now marked forever. Yes. And and he fights back and then he changes and when he, you know, spoiler dies, it's not because he has been raped and now he is somehow less of a man. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that in a film? that rape is is such a huge part of of the theme that's being sort of dealt with and there are really only two female characters there's a prostitute right and then there's a female prisoner oh yeah well yes yes no women are sexually assaulted in this film no they're not which is always worth noting in a black exploitation film unfortunately you're right. They're not sexually assaulted because ultimately, what happens with, with the women is consensual. Well, when that scene happens with Peaches in the bathroom, yeah, and Big Red falls out the ceiling. I know people who haven't seen it are listening to the plot point. Hey, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Big Red falls out the ceiling, right? In the because because they bring female prisoners over to watch the, the boxing. boxing match, and right. then a, a, a woman goes to the bathroom, and then the, one of the male prisoners sneaks into the bathroom well had snuck into the bathroom earlier Early. because in, in anticipation, in anticipation that a woman would come that in. woman he drops down but he actually talks to her yeah he does he does he doesn't like you know assault her nothing happens until she says i'm down 
True. True. But there are them there are those that would say just the act of him dropping down. Look. I'm just being honest. No, 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 no. <laughs> Look, it's not a story you tell your grandkids <laughs> about how Pop Pop and Meemaw met. But within the context of black exploitation, within the context of a script that mm. was written by Jamal Fanaka, mm. who could have written it any way he wanted to That's write it. That's true. That's true. I thought it was noteworthy how much consent peaches had in her dealings with big red that's true and to be fair one he did wait for her to finish going to the re- restroom yes and you know uh, uh, you know get her herself back adjusted look before dropping look, down look, look the movie, and then they proceeded to right. have consensual sex look it, it's not eve's by you <laughs> <laughs> like let's be clear I don't think Ava DuVernay was somewhere studying this when she was putting together the women characters in Queen Sugar. But again, within the context You're gonna learn some things from of, <laughs> Within the context of a film that we talk about <laughs> A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. There's a wonderful moment, there's a beat. Hmm that the film gives Linda where, where Linda tells too short, too short, too sweet. What happens? Yes. What happens? And there's this wonderful beat when she's by herself because the, because the, the Lieutenant has hired her mm-hmm. to be the conjugal visit. Yes. Basically for these men. Right. Unbeknownst and, to, to, unbeknownst to, to about too sweet, uh, too sweet's history. Right. Where the film gives her a moment to be tired yeah and resigned and and going along with the overall theme of the film where you have these poor people with no choices whose bodies are owned by the state mm-hmm. so that again yeah we got peaches and her shirt off which as a 13 year old is what you remember but now that you're not 13 there's all this that's in there I still remember peaches you still remember i mean of course look <laughs> but no um i i did i did appreciate that I, honestly i i did appreciate that uh what i also thought was interesting was that the movie at that point linda in telling what happened between her and too sweet earlier in the film and you now get to real like they have a run-in early right. in the, earlier in the film but you never really see how it fully plays out and it's only now later in the film where you see how it plays out which is what led to too sweet being in prison and you learn that it's falsely right being in prison and while you do learn that that just all that really does is just allow you to feel whatever heroism too sweet is supposed to have in the film Mm -hmm. allows you to feel that it is valid right because it doesn't play a part in any way for the rest of the movie. It's just that now he knows how he got here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's not the reason why he gets out. You know, Linda doesn't all of a sudden turn state's evidence. And, no, you know, not at all. No, she, she's mm-hmm. like, oh, look, I just wanted to get this off my chest. Right. And I'm good. Yeah. You know, so but I, I thought that was interesting as well, that it, that it didn't go there. But um there's a lot of a lot of small things, a lot of small details in this film that make it 
just the cut above your typical yeah. grindhouse film. Yeah. I mean, even that, that that's sort of the, the way the film plays with continuity. Mm-hmm. Where You're it right. has, you know, flash, not flash forwards, but, but the way it, it kind of flashes ahead six months and mm-hmm. then a week. And then you get this flashback at yeah. the end. One or two directing choices. Like there's this tracking shot. When Eugene first comes into prison, mm-hmm. which shows you the horror of prison from his perspective that I really liked. Yeah. The sound editing in that last fight between uh, Too Sweet. Yeah. And uh, is it Jesse? Jesse, where they cut the sound, mm-hmm. except of the two men actually punching each other. Right. So you feel these, again, black bodies. Right. Assaulting one another for the pleasure of of this crowd this this movie could have used a fight choreographer though <laughs> well. i mean if, if if because they're boxing yeah and and uh. even in prison ladies and gentlemen even in prison boxers box boxers box they yeah. don't just swing wildly just swing. now i buy it with the eugene character because he's not really a boxer and he's right. just in there whatever right but this Jesse character, right. who is the, supposed to be like the big name he's here. He's the king of the prison boxers. He's the, Yes, he's mm-hmm. the he's the big man on campus, mm-hmm. right? He's the one that before Too Sweet got in there, that the brother-in-law is really supposed to be coming in to see. So you would expect to see some semblance of the sweet science, as we boxing fans call it, being displayed a little bit in this movie. And the trainer, seldom seen, says that Too Sweet is the fastest and the best boxer I have ever seen. Too Sweet, him of the slow motion, low hanging right hand that he brings up from his kneecaps. Look, man. Every time. Look, I got a grant <laughs> to make this movie. I have six hundred thousand dollars. We gonna set up in the prison that we had set up. We had took some shots, I think, from um, Welcome Home, Brother Charles. I, mm-hmm. I think Jamal Fanaka said he ended up using that same space. We ran out of money. This is my favorite little anecdote I read. We ran out of money. The cast and crew were so committed they said they could finish, even though I couldn't pay them anymore. But can you at least feed us? I didn't have money to feed them. Wow. The actor who played Seldom Seen said, well, I can, I'll figure that out. Come to find out Seldom Seen collected food stamps from the cast, Mm. used those food stamps, went and bought some food, prepared the food himself, Mm. brought it to the set to feed people. And that's how they finished the movie, by feeding people. We 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 don't don't have, we we can't do a a boxing boxing career. You gonna take these arms flailing and you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> it's called editing. <laughs> right. Or it. suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, you had to suspend belief really a lot. Yeah. Leon Isaac Kennedy's boxing. I just remember all the bodies. Like, like we're joking about peaches, but but quietly, I think Jamal Fanaka does a great job showing how these prisons are just a, like like a factory that holds these bodies. Mm. Because everybody is always in a state of undress. That's Yeah, that's real talk. 
like that's what I remembered about penitentiary when I thought about it. because like you I don't think I've seen it but I think I haven't seen it because it made me uncomfortable I remember all the sweat yeah I was everybody's real shiny everybody's shiny yeah and 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 I remembered I definitely remember the fight between half dead and too sweet mm-hmm. because really to me as even though there is a climactic fight that's the big right fight that's the me. fight right and and one because it took them three days to film that yeah oh yeah which I can believe it because yeah. it, it, they they get it in yeah. um, I remembered that I remembered you know seldom I didn't remember his big speech but I remember him you know the the trainer right um it's cool it's a cool and then and and I meant to look this up real quick. I saw a couple of of comments where people talk about it where they um people remarked on how similar seldom swing seldom, seldom scenes bit is to Shawshank. Oh, oh who like red? Yeah, not oh, red. Oh, not red. Um the 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 boy the guy that leaves. Yeah. And who basically says James? Is that James Whitmore? Yeah, I think that's James Whitmore, um, in that scene, the actor. And what I was trying to figure out, yeah, but he he definitely is institutionalized, but he leaves. He leaves, but he commits suicide because he can't handle it. Yeah, and and seldom seen is is thinking the same thing. And people don't know Shawshank Redemption is. It's based on a Stephen King short story called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Right. Which, and I'm doing off the top of my head because I'm just trying to get to it, was in a collection of short stories. So so Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption was published in 1982. So it's after this. After this, right. It was in different seasons, yeah. his collection. So I have to wonder... Did Stephen King see this? Oh, so did this maybe? Because it really is. It is actually striking how much seldom scenes whole deal talking about being institutionalized and how I'm important on the inside and there's nothing for me out here and what like he like he like you said he has this extraordinary speech mm-hmm. about how much he's missed while he's been inside and being institutionalized Mm -hmm. and it really is almost beat for beat how that character in Shawshank Redemption and I remember that being a detail in the short story yeah but in his defense in Stephen King's defense and he could have seen this he could have but and I wanted to look it up he could have also seen this same year Escape from Alcatraz Okay, and there are there is a character in there that deals with being institutionalized, institutionalized as well. Like I feel like it's a right around that time in the seventies where the idea of prisoners being institutionalized is given like that language, right? And I was wondering, like when you said we, it's 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 a cliche now about you know prisoners getting turned out and this that and the other. And I was thinking about depictions of prison culture. Yeah. Before 1979. Mm-hmm. And black exploitation wise, I can't, like, just black films or black culture, I can't think of anything. Well, well, well I mean, I think there are a couple, because I think a couple of those, like, Pam Greer prison movies are 
predate 79. Yeah, I don't think they count. But I don't think, well, I I'm mean, talking about prison culture. Right, right, right. I, the Not only, Pam Greer in the shower. I think, um, wow, the only one that keeps coming to my, popping to my head is Birdman from Alcatraz. Um, Which again, that's not, and, and it certainly doesn't touch on any of these yeah, themes. Yeah, in there. So yeah, I mean, yeah. so so in his defense, he could have he yeah. could have seen either of these. Right. Films. And Jamal Fanaka says said in an interview he thinks that HBO stole Oz from him. Like he said, Oz is just penitentiary the series. He said Oz was penitentiary the series basically. See, I can't go with him on that. Look, because by the time of Oz, I, there's I'm been just, more I'm than just a few. With the man's, and then he points out, as we'll talk about in two weeks, Ernie Hudson actually plays half dead, half dead in Penitentiary Two. Right. So, would you recommend that people see Penitentiary? That is a good question. That is a very good question. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about all day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with yes, mm-hmm. but with this proviso. I don't even know if I have a proviso. I think Jamal Fanaka is a very important filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I think this is his best film of the three. Five if you include Penitentiary 2 and Penitentiary 3. But I'm thinking of the three between Welcome Home, Brother Charles, Emma May, and this. But it is, I mean, it's it is it's a pulpy grindhouse film. Like like I think I think if you are listening to us. And you were expecting a film with the pedigree of someone who rolled with Julie Dash mm. and Charles Burnett. Don't expect that. Right. I, I, I actually would group him more with an Oscar Michelle or a Tyler Perry. Like, I think he very much has in the foreground of his thoughts. I'm making this for the people. Mm. I'm making this for the people. So I would. But again, this ain't Sankofa. Gotcha. And you? Um, Real quick before we go, uh, Miss McKeeba was talking about when Half Dead oiled himself up. I thought, Lord, the homoeroticism of this film. And that's very much on on screen. Well, that whole whole interplay between Half Dead and and, um, Too Sweet is is, thick. I mean, it is it is literally dripping off their bodies. Yeah, well, look, again, they're always in a state of undress, laying in a bed three feet away from each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I can recommend this film. Interesting. And I say that because when I recommend a film, it's a, it's a film that I feel like, you know, either one, you're going to watch because you're going to enjoy it. Okay. Or you're going to watch and you're going to get something from the experience of watching it okay so it may not necessarily be a great film but it's still going to like give you a little something okay right and while i think you I, there are things to be gleaned from this movie that i was surprised about i think those are things that you can find in other movies. i don't think it's worth it to sit through these films to get to those things case in point if we're talking about, because when I'm rec- recommending a film, I'm also recommending it not just against as a black film, I'm recommending it against all films. Sure. So when you talk about the the scene with Seldom Seen and his and his monologue, it's a great monologue. Mm-hmm. It is great. But I'll take the way that whole idea of being institutionalized 
plays out in Shawshank Redemption over this anytime. Okay. That's one of my favorite parts about Shawshank of Redemption. Of course. So, so there's that. Uh, the homoeroticism, if that's your bag or if not, or you're, or, or if you want to get into prison culture, watch the watch Oz. Mm-hmm. It'll give you a whole lot of what is in this in this movie. I don't think they ripped him off in any way, but there's a lot of it that is in Oz and better done. And then you don't have to deal with Leon Isaac. <laughs> Is very much one of those seventies dudes. That, like when you look him up, and like his, like he was a disc jockey mm. and like a, a party promoter. Mm-hmm. Like he was one of them L.A. dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like what was? He's just pretty. What was your skill exactly? He was pretty. He was just pretty. He yeah. was just pretty. He was just, and he was a pretty man. Look, you know he got Jane Kennedy. Look, you want you don't 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 just anybody look, get Jane. You one hundred percent understand Jamal Fanaka's instinct yeah to put him in the middle of it right but as you said and and this is actually part of my argument to see it this is not our first or fifth film where we've talked about they put this pretty pony Mm. in the middle of a movie (laughs) but then the whole movie collapses i think it is a testament to jamal fanaka's pen and his eye and camera skills Mm -hmm. that he's able to form this narrative around around this like did you, did you notice like he doesn't talk for like 10 minutes no no like no. he kind of moves around and then he doesn't, and then he like like and then he doesn't really say anything until that scene yeah well, where half dead jumps on him if you know and then he says you know i am too sweet and he this, doesn't say a lot in this he doesn't film. say a lot in the film i think that'd be you know doesn't say a lot in the film i have a friend who made this observation that has cracked me up for over 20 years now, how Keanu Reeves doesn't actually talk that much in the first matrix. What is the matrix? And then like other people, like there people have whole little monologues and says, Whoa. And then people have whole monologue. (laughs) Like, like he, like he really doesn't talk that much in the first matrix. That's true. And it's like, Oh, I see what you did there with Chinsky brothers. That's true. That's true. Um, but but Wachowski brothers. On the other side of the coin, I always think about an actor like Steve McQueen, who would famously take scripts, yes, and rip out pages of dialogue, absolutely, and said, "I can just do a look and get this over," and he would pull it off. Yeah, yeah, yes. We've talked about but, Steve McQueen before, but neither Leon Isaac Kennedy nor Keanu Reeves, <laughs> Steve McQueen, or Steve McQueen. <laughs> Don't play Steve McQueen games if you're not Steve McQueen. <laughs> that is our lesson here. All right. uh, Sean Johnson says that this movie shook him from going to the penitentiary. <laughs> half dead, half dead is a bit. He was a bit. Of, well, when you first of a, meet of a cultural villain, when you first meet half dead, yeah, that would scare you. yeah, it's a great scene. Like great I said, scene. it's part of that first scene where, you, yeah, yeah, the track and yeah. Um, but uh, so there we go. All right, but all right, but hey, if you want to check out Penitentiary, <laughs> go right ahead. I guess you have to do that because you said don't see it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to go, go ahead. Be my guest. There's two more. This Penitentiary Two 
and it's penitentiary three. Oh, and and buckle up, folks. <laughs> oh, that's right. We do have two. The two is coming because once we get to two, <laughs> now we in the eighties for real. Yeah, two is coming, ladies. And yes, gentlemen. but that'll be coming in two weeks. Two weeks. Yes, that'll be coming in two weeks. Um, first, we're gonna get to my selection on the yes. show mission, and before we do that, we invite you all to email us all of your thoughts and concerns at mission at gmail dot com. M i c h e a u x m i w s i o n, and you can visit our website, Michel Mission Two Men One Podcast, every black film ever made, Mission dot com, where you can hit swag and check out all of the cool designs that we have by way of our good friends at T Public, and look for a new design. That will be hitting there probably by Thursday because you gave me the quote for our new t-shirt design. <laughs> I saw Miss McKeeva put that in the chat. It's like, I need that on a shirt. <laughs> Your wish is my command. Uh, like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube at Me Show Mission, which is a proud member of The Podglomerate. ThePodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. Next week on The Me Show Mission, it is my turn. Yes, it is to step up and you know what i felt like giving us uh just a little as much of a taste of summer in a movie as i could think of okay so i wanted something a little lighter mm-hmm. i wanted something funny mm-hmm. i wanted something where the sun is out yes in the movie and where men since you had chose penitentiary i wanted a film where there are men mm-hmm. but they're not sweaty <laughs> These men have their clothes on. I was about to say, have specifically shirts their shirts on. Yes, and they have to have their shirts on because they don't want to get their shirts dirty. But they're having a good time. But they're not in prison. No, they're in the other place where black men congregate, and that is the barber shop. Hey, from two thousand two. Next week. All right, on the Me Show Mission. Uh, until then, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you each and every one of you for staying with us who enjoys our show. Please, if you like our show, the best thing you can do for us is just tell a friend, tell a friend about the Michelle mission real quick, Vince. Yes. You know, there's this super secret project I've been working on that I can't tell anybody about, but you know, yes. And, uh, I was talking to. Devin and I was talking to him and we we're talking about black films mm-hmm. and I was telling him about the the we were talking I forget we were talking about some black film mm-hmm. but I had on our t-shirt mm-hmm. as I was doing it and he said yo um and I started talking about our movie podcast mm-hmm. and he said wait a minute is that your movie podcast you, on your t-shirt I was like yeah the Michelle mission he said I listened to y'all ghost dad review oh hey I was like oh man I said well, cool I said did we destroy your childhood too? He's like, nah, 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 nah. I mean, I liked it when I was a kid, but it was trash. Okay. But y'all were hilarious, man. All right. Y'all were hilarious. I didn't know that was you. There you go. I was like, yeah, that's me, dog. He's like, all right, dog. That's what's up. You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. no, no. no. In fact, he um, enjoyed it so much that I invited him. So probably like sometime in September. All right. He's going to come on and do a show with us. Okay. Excellent. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. All right. We got to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Until until next week, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>